Hey there, everybody. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pony Hour. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step two. Step two, step two. I'm excited about this. Another fun episode. I'm in the middle of the monster. Actually, I'm at the end of the Monster Energy Outbreak Tour, uh, in which it closes out Tuesday at the Comedy Store uh, in the main room. I do a really long set, maybe an hour, maybe a little more, with uh, some amazing special guests in front of me. Joe Rogan, Brendan Schaub, Jeremiah Watkins, Greg Fitzsimmons. Um, and it's going to be a blast. So that's been fun, the Monster Energy Outbreak Tour. Thanks for everybody for that. Um, I listened to this show on the Laughable app. Do you know about Laughable? I do know about Laughable. It's one of my favorite things. And it's because when I get on a tangent with someone uh, that I'm interested in, you can find them all in one column it's all streamlined so that you could listen to all the podcasts that they do anyway um so the laughable app is uh fucking awesome other fun stuff out there kill tony's doing good the store horseman podcast pro wrestling and let's jump into it i'm here with one of my favorite human beings a guy that i click with in a weird cool way lewis j gomez ladies and gentlemen what up, kid? Legion of Skanks, one of my favorite comedians, one of my favorite humans, the brilliant fucking mind behind Skankfest. Thank you. Which, I mean, wow. Let's just start there. You have an amazing podcast, of course, that I'm sure all these listeners know about called Legion of Skanks with Big J Okerson. One of uh, only, I guess I probably only have like eight, ep- eight or nine episodes of this show, and Big J was one of them. And um, so you made a festival in New York City. Yeah. And it's mind-blowing because as a podcast fan that, and a, or a podcast guy that's been part of sort of a clique of comedians that do podcasts on the West Coast, we got to watch you do something so incredibly innovative. Well, thanks. Yeah. Because um, the, the, for those of you that don't know how these festivals work, it's like, you know, they're so 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 uh, uh fun because you get to hang out with comedians but they a lot of them have been so beaten down and have become so political with agents and managers and things like that to where it's a bunch of you know a lot of dog shit mixed in with a lot of old legends getting paid a lot of money right so and not necessarily old legends maybe some new legends in there but yeah and you just fucking booked who you wanted I just well, here's the deal, right? It's to even call it a comedy festival. It's it's kind of disingenuous because it's comedy festivals. You know, the typical festival format is they go into a town. You know, they take over however many venues during uh, you know a week or a five day period, and you know they're all festival associated shows, and that's that. Um, Which just means there's no like a lot of festival shit. There's like little shit, like fun bags and like you know silly shit. Yeah. And, but you get a pass for the festival, and you get to go to all these different shows. Exactly, and it's great. The festival here, just means there's a bunch of comedy shows going on at once. Right. And here's the truth: New York City, L.A., you know, certain cities, they're kind of comedy festivals every night. Yeah. If you go to the comedy store any fucking night, yeah, it's a comedy festival. What do you want me to say? Yep. A bunch of stages. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the same. We we look at something like the comedy yeah. store, and it's like that's kind of what we do for an entire weekend because it's it's a little different than a festival because what there's a, at a comedy festival everything's kind of spread out, right? What we decided to do with Skankfest, which is we took our, our fan base and we invited them out to um, it was really 
the first year it was just one venue, which was the Creek in the Cave. The second year we did two venues. We added a much larger like loft space for the end of the night, so everyone got together to you know watch. Which these. is like the most important part because then all of a sudden you have a cool combination of everybody having fun, the festival that you booked yeah. strategically, knowing people's chemistries. These people's people that book other festivals know comedians that they know that they met that they like that they saw but they don't know how what everybody how everybody clicks right exactly whereas i walk in and see you and big j and it's fucking not only is it hugs but i you know we're at the goofy level we're like i'll rest my head on your chest for a second you know what i mean like it's a real fuck like we're I don't know how to It'll put suck it. Suck on my teeth for a little. Right. It happens. Every you once know, in a while, Tony just comes up and just, you know. It's I, just the comedian way. We're, we're, <laughs> when we like someone, we're a little bit touchy. Yeah. But and, no, here, here, here's the deal, right? We made it so that everyone has to hang out, including yeah. the fans. Yeah. You know, it's very tight. We only put 500 people. We sold 500 tickets. And we put everybody in these very small spaces. All of the shows are happening at the same time. Um, basically, there's one show going on in the, 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 the theater upstairs at the creek. There's a smaller stage downstairs at the creek. There's events happening on the back patio. So the entire time, there's something happening. There's always something new to do. We did these um, heavy metal cruises called Shiprocked. Um, I'm doing it again this year, and I'm doing also uh, the Impractical Jokers cruise. And I kind of saw... I saw the type of vibe that those cruise ships have, those themed cruises. And I know you did the yeah. 311 cruise. Yeah. It's a weird thing. You know, if you're performing on it, you can't escape the fans. You're fucking with them, dude. You're eating lunch with them. Right. You're hanging out with them. You're drinking with them. You're partying with them. And I noticed, you know, when we were on the boat, every deck there was something new happening. And every yeah. hour you, you get this big fold out thing. And that's kind of where I took the idea from and how we were going to structure the festival. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I want to make sure that we have to hang out with everybody. You know, it's a different experience because you can go and watch anybody perform at any comedy club. But when you come to something like Skankfest for, you know, two and a half days straight, everyone, the comics, the, the people that are buying tickets, the people that are helping with the event, everybody's hanging, smoking, drinking, and it feels like a big party. The shows, of yeah. course, are great. The comedians are great. We had 130 comedians, but that was the big thing that was very special and very different about it was the fact that you were going to fucking hang out with the coolest comics in the world. Yeah, I agree 100%. And when I went on that cruise with uh, 311 a couple of years ago, few couple, I think three years ago, um, it was... A life-changing experience for me because it was so 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 perfect it's exactly what I love and I mean you know I'm sort of like a, a a transplant California kid because this place has definitely I can tell you because this is the first pony hour since I just spent well, I guess it was just a week in New York but to me it felt like fucking three weeks this time and I don't have a problem with New York but this time I was a little bit too confined because I spent a week before that on the road. So I went straight to New York after doing one city, another city, another city, another city, and then a week in New York. And I was just missing my patio so much. I was yeah. just missing this fucking, like I was sitting out there today and I hear, blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, fuck, an earthquake. Like that's how trained I am to not even know what thunder is right. sitting on that patio. Yeah, does it not rain here? People are freaking out because it rained today. And yeah, like, it doesn't really happen. Does it's, that, does it's one of our best kept secrets because we don't want everybody moving here. Today, they like, already are. The sky opened up today and it was it was torrential downpour. Yeah. But here's the deal. I'm from New York City. 
that happens a few times a season like that. Yeah. That wasn't that crazy. You know, right. it's kind of fun. In fact, I saw that in New York last week. I, yeah, there was a night like that. It's not that crazy right. for it to the sky to just open up. The night up. of roast battle. Yeah. Yep. Yes, 100%. Yes. Pouring. Yep. Hot rain. Now, does that not happen here? Because the reaction, I mean, people have been talking about it like it's a fucking thing. It doesn't happen here. Yeah. It happens sometimes, but not really like that. It doesn't like sneak up out of nowhere, sort of. It just sort of it will be like a dull, dark day. Yeah. And it'll sprinkle a little bit and then it'll be done yeah. after like an hour or two. But uh, that was sort of weird because it was super clear and then just blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's probably all ending. Yeah. It's the end of the world. Yeah. But anyway, that 311 fucking cruise, going back to that, because, you know, it's all about, to me, it's about having options, fun things to do. Mm. And when a festival is done correctly, that's exactly what's uh, what's happening. I it think- is so stupid. If, even if you're not a fan of 311, because, look, I'm not a fan of most of the bands that are on Shiprocked. There's right. a few of them that I dig, but it's a lot of bands that are just kind of like this, you know. It's, Kid it's, Rock, I'll tell you this. They said that, we asked. I asked them when I got on, I'm like, who had the boat the week before? And they're like, Kid Rock. I'm like, fuck that'd be awesome yeah but i mean i'm looking at it from a hygiene standpoint Dude, Limp Bizkit had i'm thinking about one year that i went i'm wondering if they change the jacuzzi water no, they definitely every did. week let me tell you something because if kid rock fans were marinating in a above ground cruise jacuzzi i went and i got a tattoo on my leg and it's uh it's hand sim- symbols like um sign language for sex drugs and rock and roll yeah it's in the back of my calf and I'm just hammered. This is the last time I drank. This is going on two years ago. This is shiprocked. Oh, this is the last time you drank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, who was the band? Uh, was it Limp Bizkit that year? It was. A di- it might have been a different wow. band. It might have been. Fi- yeah, it was Five Finger Death Punch that year. Okay, wow. which is a hilarious name for a band. Do you remember where you went on the cruise? Uh, pff, I don't know, dude. Yeah. Fucking Mexico. One of these. Right. It's the same shit. You're on a. You're on a. Yeah. People act like you, you get off the 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 cruise ship for like a half day, and you're on like a man-made island yeah. in bumblefuck the middle of the ocean anywhere. It, it's, you're not. There's no culture. You're not actually experiencing the Bahamas or Jamaica or whatever. Right. Um, but I got this tattoo. Like late at night, hammered, dude. You're not supposed to get tattoos, fucking hammered, okay? But I'm like, you know, and they say your 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 blood's thinning, so blood's like pouring down my leg. I'm just fucking. I got it actually on a podcast, a live podcast, annihilated. You recorded it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, you weren't you a live podcast? Live podcast on this cruise ship. You streamed it? No, 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 no. no. Oh. We just we taped it. Then, gotcha. Then, you know, so I'm just fucking. The next day, I uh, I get up. And you know I'm hungover, and it's, you're just your cruise ship life is so crazy. You're just trying to get pussy. You're just trying to all you're doing the whole cruise ship is you're trying to fuck old ladies. You're trying to fucking get hammered. You're trying to find drugs. Like you're trying to find out which other people are sneaking drugs onto the boat. It's just debaucherous, right? Yeah. So I get up the next morning, and I I don't even have any ointment for my leg because they didn't give me any. And I jump into that fucking limp biscuit, five finger death punch hot tub at like 11 a.m. with a fresh wound. It's a fresh wound on my leg. That's oh. what a tattoo is, dude. Oh yeah. I, I don't know if you have any tattoos. No. So only temporary ones. Hang out there for like forty-five minutes, you know, chilling, start drinking, not even paying attention, dude. One o'clock comes, I'm like, ah, oh, my leg is kind of sore, dude. I look down, it is just fucking like festering. No, festering, dude. I mean, like literally, like open wound, like just literally, you like it. It looked like somebody poured peroxide on it. And there was oh, a heat no. coming off of it. Like, literally, if you put your hand above it, other people were putting their hand above it. You could feel like like you were putting your hand above a fire. Infected. In-fucking-fected. Oh, Brutal. God. 
the tattoo place wasn't open until like 3 p.m. So I'm like literally trying to break into the tattoo area, like to try to find ointment for my leg. I'm just taking body lotion and just rubbing it on my leg. Uh. They came back, dude, and they were they were like literally worried. The guy who did my tattoo, you can see in his eyes, he was like, "Fuck, dude, I'm gonna lose everything. I can't tattoo drunk people on a boat and not give them ointment." Like it was awful, like the worst thing ever. And they, I mean, dude, they they patched me up. They they put a bunch of shit on me, and he literally the next day he was like he was like I was afraid you were gonna lose your leg. Oh my god. It was so bad. I couldn't walk for like a day and a half on the boat. It was brutal. Oh. Oh. For the shittiest tattoo I have on my body. I just had something scary like that. I mean, it wasn't that scary. That's fucking psycho to me. Yeah. Like, I would, I'd have a panic. I would end up having a heart attack if that happened. I'm just not that... When it comes to open pussy wounds, if oh, I had... I'm a, I'm a, a pussy, dude. I can't do any of that shit. Yeah. Um, the other day, I, uh, I got these new shoes in New York City, and... I got excited and I wore them a lot. They're like a little bit dressier than normal shoes, but they're made by an athletic shoe. So I thought they'd be a little bit cozier, right. but I'm still breaking it in at the, at, and the top part sort of bends, you know, mm-hmm. like when sometimes it bumps like the top of my big toe. And I looked down after sh- I wore them to a show the next night at the Gramercy theater and uh fucking, I looked down at my, foot when i get back to the hotel that night and there it is like a little open blister Hmm. no big deal and then the next day i get home to my apartment in los angeles and i'm so my favorite thing and i've probably mentioned this on this show is is my favorite thing in the world is a fucking nice shower right Hmm. and i'm taking a shower and i look down after like 10 minutes of just one of those you know one of the ones where you're just like head up eyes closed leaning back just rinsing off two weeks of not being home. I'm finally in my it's own like the shower. opening scene in Rocky Five, like where, you know, in Rocky Four he had fought the Russian, but they come back in the opening scene in Rocky Five is him in the shower. Like yeah. he had just been through a war. Yeah. Hands on the wall, That's head it. down, just fucking and ass shot. And then all shot. of a sudden I open my eyes and there it is. Like four inches of shitty water. Yeah. Poopy water. Ew. Coming up out of my drain. What do you mean? My shower drain was clogged. Something happened when I wasn't there. Brian Redman shit in your shower. Oh, nobody was in my apartment, but that's what's scary is that I didn't shit when I got home. Yeah. So it wasn't my poop. I was yeah. frightened. I looked down. There's shitty water. and Coming I, up uh, under your toes. Right. And I had an open blister, so I don't know. I might be, I might be completely dying. Yeah, that's fucking brutal, dude. Yeah. You don't want other people's shit. Because, look, your own shit, it's, uh, it's bad enough. Yeah. But if you don't know where that shit came from... I don't know, but it looks okay. Yeah. I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think shit in an open toe wound is going to be that much of a problem. Yeah, I don't think so. It's not like an open, What open type wound. of... I don't even think there's that... Here's what I like about this podcast. By podcast, we have like a dude that's sitting on a computer yeah. or a chick. Yeah. And then I always like this say, we have to look guess. that up. Look this it we up. Have to guess. Look, but that's actually great, us. though. We're in that's the ba- actually- By the way, we're in the basement of the comedy store on the other side of the window. Nothing. We're just sitting in our room. But isn't that better, dude? Because we both turned our phones off, right? Now, isn't it better to be able to just now go, I fucking wonder, yeah. what diseases could you get if you got shit in an open wound on your toe? Yeah. I bet you it's very limited. Yeah. Very limited, because there's a lot of shit going on. By the time you get it into the open wound, it's got to go into your like fucking bloodstream, all through your shit. Ugh. I feel like it's a lot. Shit in the eye, it's like pink eye. That happens almost automatically. Right. You know? Yeah. 
I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> Hepatitis. You know what? I'm probably wrong. There's probably a lot of diseases <laughs> you can get by stepping in somebody's shit. I'm just trying to make you feel better. But I mean, like, friend. I guess, like, in rivers in Africa and places like that. Where, there's I shit mean, everywhere. But that's why they, there's a life expectancy of, like, 31 years old in Africa. Really? No. But it's not good. It's <laughs> no, not they good. live long. I don't think so. I think so. I wish we had the internet now. Now that we're having all these <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. Somebody! It's, it really is... I could not guess the life expectancy in Africa. It has to be way lower. I don't think so. I think it might be higher. Shut the Why would it be higher? Because our people Malaria, have... AIDS, tiger, spears. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. If you factor in the diseases. But I feel like a healthy African, an African that doesn't get a disease, lives longer than an American you that doesn't get a like disease. You think like a slave trader. <laughs> That's the way your mind works is like your white roots are really kicking in. Yeah. You're like, oh, that one's going to live for a long time. Look at uh, that muscle tone. Uh, I mean, uh, well worth your well <laughs> worth your gold, sir. Uh, These men have a life, long life expectancy. <laughs> um, so, shit. fuck yeah. So that's been happening. What else? I did Legion of Skanks and uh, mm. we went through some uh, fappenings. You guys cover some yeah. other fun stuff. We so take it. Are, we, you know you guys are extreme, man. Yeah, we are, but I, I'll tell you why it works. Why I'll tell you why we don't get in trouble. Because yeah. we've said everything. Yeah. We say everything on every episode. Yeah. We make sure we, because there's like the new seven words you can't say in comedy. I don't know, but it's fucking nigger and faggot are the big two, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, and people in L.A. are so uncomfortable when you say these oh words. Oh, my God. I know. I know. But it's it's very funny because we've gone so far on that show so many times yeah. that it's like, We've almost like, if you come to that show and open that door, it's almost on you. Yeah. And that's why I think we don't get in trouble. We like market it as the most offensive podcast. Yeah. I compare it to, you remember that no, movie? No, it's true. No, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, the Jezzelneck Offensive. He called it offensive out front. Great. And he couldn't, he, he could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And we, we sort of did the same thing with The Burn before that. I was a writer yeah. on Jeff Ross's show, The Burn. And it's like, we roast everything. We And it's like, if you say that, then if you're because we thought we were going to get media coverage with our edgy, the funniest version of jokes you can do. We, you can do once you say it's offensive. You say, no, the, the idea of this is we are trying to offend people and push the envelope. Yeah. So the more we do that as comedians, the better it is for comedy, because then it opens that window. The problem is young comics are afraid to offend people. But all you got to do is go, hey, dude, this is what I'm, I'm trying to do that. You remember the, the movie um, uh, The Aristocrats? Yeah. Remember that movie? Yeah. Now, the whole idea of that movie, you should go, if it's a documentary about a joke, that uh, the idea of the joke is comedians would tell up like in green rooms of old school comedy clubs, and the idea is they would try to be as offensive as possible within the, the constraints of the joke, and they would. it's almost like they would make up their own versions of this joke about a family that was doing fucked up shit to each other and having sex with each other and throwing shit and yeah. piss at each other. And uh, the the idea was, you know, how clever and fucked up you could be, but how 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 clever you could be with like the fucked up concept, right? right. But nobody ever watched that movie or listened to that joke and went, "Whoa, too far." You're like, "No, take it further." That's the idea of it. So that's what we've done with Legion of Skanks, and you know, kind of the spirit of what we're doing with Gas Digital, which is the podcast network that I run. It's like we're trying, and, and Roast Battle too, which you know is amazing. We're here at the Comedy Store, which originated here, and I, I'm fucking lucky that Jeff Ross and Brian Moses allow us at the stand to do Roast Masters. Correct. Louis um, J hosts uh, the New York version of Roast Battle. Yeah. And- and, uh, you know, 
they let you carry that. I wouldn't do it without them. I wouldn't they do would, it without I, their they name. I don't think they would do it without you. Yeah. Well, we, we, you know, it's funny. We, we almost stopped doing it for a minute, and we had some conversations behind They the wouldn't put their doors. name behind other Dude, people. They're fucking great dudes, and I appreciate the fact that they, they let us do what we do. But even that show is the same thing. You have people that are kind of saying fucked up things, and, and you know it works so well because you're standing on a stage, and you know somebody's talking about my dead dad, but I'm laughing at it, and a room is fucking clapping and yeah. cheering and going nuts, and it allows it allows that pressure to be taken off. Taken off. You have all this racist, you know, the, there's a lot of like racism and, and and fucked up shit in the world, but not in joke form. And joke form is just trying to make people laugh. And if you allow people to laugh at that type of shit, I think it does the world a lot of good because then people aren't keeping it, you know, inside. It, you know, you just fucking you're just laugh at a fucking. What should happen to John Jones? John Jones. I mean, that's it. He should be fucking stripped of his title. He should be, you know, in my opinion, I think John Jones, the biggest thing that he did wrong was he took away Daniel Cormier's legacy. I said it on every podcast that yeah. I did, every radio show, Punch Drunk, everywhere. And I said it, most importantly, to my closest friends in the back alleyway here and at the back door and in the parking lot late at night. I said I was pulling for DC and that I have watched this guy so closely and he has become, without a doubt, my third or fourth favorite fighter. And he's earned that. I was never, it wasn't some guy that I fell in love with just because he's a wrestler yeah. from Oklahoma State or whatever the fuck. You know, I, wa I, I watched him fucking be an analyst. I watched him be a commentator. I watched him work the Fox Sports Upper thing. Good every time. I mean, great, dude. Yeah. And, and trust me, this is a conversation I've had with Joe Rogan is how talented DC is at that yeah, stuff. Joe's very, very open about that. And that's that's tough to get do that. It's tough to impress a guy like that, not clearly a guy like Dana, to just keep... I mean, he's one of the top guys at that. Yes. Top and I, th I think he just started a podcast. To no? be the top of that and a true fucking... I watched him duck punches from Rumble Johnson that would have... Had he ducked near the fence... It would have done something. The, the way Rumble punches, yeah. What the way he punched, it's so sad that I have to talk about him in the past like that. He's gonna come back. <laughs> I don't know, man. I bet you a million dollars he comes back. <laughs> he's he's already mentioned coming back like four times publicly. Oh, you don't you don't start mentioning coming back. He mentioned he mentioned coming back like three days after he retired. Uh, I think we'd be really lucky if that happened. He will. He wanted. Here's the truth. John Jones won that fight, and then he started salivating and going, "All right, there's a, there's a big money fight there. There's a story. He knows the UFC will give him a fucking title." Shot I wanted DC win. to win this fight against John Jones so fucking bad. So did I. And I, I, I watched him, him duck those rumble title. punches. And I told people, I watched this guy duck these fucking punches twice. I was at both of these fucking things, and I'm telling you. I'm not bragging, but I think it goes without saying. You see a different thing. You feel a different thing when you're that close to the octagon. Yeah. I was lucky enough to be at both McGregor Diaz's that oh, close. Badass. And as a Diaz guy, the first fight I ever legally bet on in Vegas was Diaz McGregor won. This mm. the same odds as I think McGregor did against me. I think I I think it was better. Yeah. I think I spent a hundred and got like five fifty or four fifty or something like that. 
I bet on Nate Diaz. And um, what's the point here? Is the shit that I've seen DC do yeah. from that close up, including right next to him, you know, where you sit when you're with Joe is right behind. Literally, like where I am from you is the exact same distance that I am from DC. So when crazy shit's happening, you see him slamming the tables and you can hear them, you know, because right. we don't have headphones on there. They do. But they're going, bah, 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 and they're right there. It's all very, you know, it's not like, Argh. Right. Anyway, I've just seen him be so fucking awesome. And, wow. Holy fucking shit. When you defend him and you even publicly say that I truly believe that he can win this. And, by the way, I think he was doing a fucking great job up until that head kick. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing good. I mean, look, here's the truth. John Jones has his number. John Jones. That's not true. Whether, look. No, he doesn't. Well. You can't take that last performance and say that. You know that he's mm. he was on fucking like animal thunder. John Jones was coming off of a 13-month layoff. Um, You know, the fact is like, I think if those guys, if if all things the, the same way they are, John Jones is juicing to the gills. He has a fucking much better way of masking it. I think John Jones beats DC, you know, eight out of ten times. I don't know. Like, without steroids? Without steroids is a big X factor, and I don't know. And that's what I'm You're saying. You're saying with steroids with he beats steroids, him eight to ten yes. times. Yeah. But here, here's Me the deal. Me too. But listen, what I'm saying is. I say exactly that. Eight eight out of ten yeah. times he beats him on steroids without DC on we don't, steroids. We don't know what John Jones could have been I'll tell you what he is steroids. without steroids. Go watch the OSP fight. I don't know that he was without steroids in that fight. I don't either. know either, but something's up. The, look, here's the thing. John Jones, <laughs> uh, what I saw in that fight was he he was a little bit timid. He wasn't coming out to fucking kill it. He came out with a different attitude in the yeah. in, in the um which, fight. Which the chemical that they're saying that he was on is basically a blaster like that. It turns yeah. you into a fucking angry dinosaur. It's like dinosaur. an old school like 80s, 90s. Like, yeah. uh, hard like, to get, hard to make, expensive to get. Like I gym get, rat I, fucking yeah. steroid. yeah. That's the one that I want to do. Ah, that one. Whatever that one is. Let me Give me something. some fucking weights. Give me something to hit. I, I was talking to Bisping because I do a podcast with Yeah, uh, that was my next Michael thing. Is I wanted to, yeah. Talk to Bisping about it, you know, and here's the thing. There's so many different factors. Like, obviously, there's recovery and, and what it does for you in the gym, but it's also what it does for you mentally to kind of come in there with that weapon, you know, and I don't know if John Jones would have taking the chances he took. There's so many like ifs right. and there's like a million variables there. So we don't know. And that's my problem though, is that, all right, fine, John, you want to fucking destroy your own legacy, destroy your legacy. I don't give a shit, you know, whatever. It's your, it's your life. I, I'm, if you want to fucking pump cocaine, steroids, heroin into your eyeballs, I don't give a shit, dude. I really feel like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do with your body. You're a human being, right? Um, I'm not one of these guys going, you rob the fans, John. You rob the fans. Like, I don't know, dude. He's a fucking brilliant athlete, like multimillionaire, like young, good looking dude. He robbed himself. He didn't rob any fans of anything, right? But what he did rob besides himself is Daniel Cormier, who might be undefeated now, might be known as the best pound for pound fighter of all time, went down from heavyweight, came down from the, you know, won the Strike Force Championship tournament as a fucking alternate. Comes down, comes into the UFC as a heavyweight, fucking destroys everybody put in front of him, drops down to 205, wins the title. No man has ever beat him. He could retire undefeated Olympian, right? Was he uh, Was he an Olympian? Yeah. Was he, uh, did he win a medal or no? I think he won something. I think he won a medal, maybe. He's definitely like a U.S. champ type. Yeah, of he's like real champ. deal. He's yeah. no fucking joke, dude. Super, super great wrestler. Without John Jones being there doing that, you know, who knows what 
Daniel Cormier's legacy could have been. And that's not just legacy. Fuck legacy. We're talking about, you know, economic fucking productivity. Being undefeated, fucking former Olympian, like just this shit. I mean, he's worth, you know, who knows what he's worth in that case. And now there's all these asterisks surrounding, you know, the victories and the belt and where it goes. And it just kind of sucks. So that's how I feel about John Jones. What John Jones should do, though, and I posted this on Facebook and Instagram. WWE. He should just fucking show up with with the only the only play that he can make to save his career and to save his legacy because he's looking at a four year suspension. The only move is he meets up with Vince McMahon and he fucking becomes a bad guy in the WWE. And never before has the Superman punch been used so loosely in WWE. Like it's becoming a thing. And there's oh, guys there's you guys there's guys with styles and shit that yeah. like are throwing knees. The, the Undertaker and, was doing like an Oma Plata or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, there's yeah, there's guys that do like real deal shit. Oh yeah, and I mean, this is for the longest time. Ken Shamrock back in the day. I mean, that was his angle. It was the MMA gloves and fucking the ankle lock. Yeah, I mean, they they can do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. They throw. Let me tell you something. Throw fucking throw. Give him more steroids. Put fifty pounds of muscle on John Jones. Looks like a fucking superhero. Yeah, comes out just fights Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Makes oh more God. money than he's ever made in his entire life. Has only come out four times a year. He's a superstar immediately. Yeah. John Jones in the WWE. Yeah. Superstar immediately. Yeah. No all doubt they about need it. is good writing. They, on, all they it's need. on everything. Everybody watches that clip. Dog. It's he a no brainer. He makes a deal. I'm going to come out. I'm going to wrestle four times a year. Yeah. That's all I'm going to do. One million do a night. Yep. That's it. And that, that's it. I don't want to fucking be on the road every weekend. Isn't that what Brock does? Yeah. Brock's a monster. What's Brock's deal with the WWE? You have to realize that Brock Lesnar is. And I don't think anybody. I mean, I guess people talk about this, but. I mean, he must get to sit back sometimes on that ranch, I think, in Iowa he lives on, something like that. I think he's got one in Canada. He bought like a fucking... Yeah, Canada. Or no, Minneapolis, something like that. He just yeah. fucking took like slabs of metal and <laughs> yeah. constructed I think we fucking... all picture the same thing. It's like a bunch of tree stumps and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, like he just made it himself, though, in right. an afternoon. There's like rakes in the yard. It's yeah. just creepy. And I bet he sits out there sometimes, every once in a while, and he really just soaks it in like, I'm a bad motherfucker. Yeah. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the money. He's literally probably what? The most feared guy, one of the most feared guys in the UFC. I think Brock could I have mean, beaten John Jones. People are like, they're acting like it's a walk in the park for John Jones. He's going to be a fucking tough matchup. I think DC would have beaten John Jones. I don't think DC <laughs> can beat Brock Lesnar. I think DC had I John Jones' healthy Brock number. No, dude. See, I, I think your stylistically no. is a real problem. John Jones was like a fucking. How, who'd you have winning a, that that up until that point? I gotta go back, dude. I'm so high. I'm smoking so much weed in L.A. now. I gotta I gotta go back and watch it. John you, Jones. You know winning. who you. John had. Jones was winning the fight. You know who you had point. winning. That's why you paused. No, no, he was look. DC was bringing it to him, but John Jones was so fucking aggressive, dude. All those attacks. He was getting the better of him in, in every exchange. No, he wasn't. Or I'm saying, I, I should say he was hurting him more. You got to watch it again. I got to watch it again. You're right. And I'm telling you. What round was the knockout? I don't know. Three, four. Two, three. Who knows? Anyway. DC doesn't remember either. <laughs> no. John Jones probably doesn't either because he was the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, dude. John Jones, look, and that's it. If you're looking at a four-year suspension, what's the other play? What else is there for John Jones to do? That is the only play. Movie no. star, he, it's not that easy to act. People go like, oh, you could just do movies. Let me tell you something, motherfucker. Go to an acting class. 
It's fucking hard. Yeah. Acting is not easy. Why do they do that? Why do, why do like, the general public is like, oh, well, you can always act after you're done with sports. Yeah. Do you know how difficult it is to act? We've seen Rhonda try to act. She stinks. It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty at all. She stinks. Did you see her when when they brought her in on WrestleMania? She was better, actually, in both of her last fights than she is an actress. Yeah, I agree. Much better. I mean, her at WrestleMania was like one of the most incredibly bad things. She couldn't. She just couldn't. Well, she's going to the WWE now, right? Herself. I don't know. She's got to fucking learn. You don't, I wouldn't, you don't got to be a great actress. I wish they or would, an actor uh, to be in the WWE. You got to be fucking. You got to be charismatic. You got to be big. You got to be able to play to a crowd. With certain people, I feel like I could really help them. And with the if Ronda went to the WWE, I feel like I could be like the ghost whisperer for her. I would just be like, look, don't don't be anything. Don't do any. Don't act tough. Hmm. That would be my secret of advice because when you try that shit, she could be like hot and just a killer and not even like worry about it. I don't think she. Here's the thing: she doesn't need to do what John's doing, or she didn't get her legacy, quote unquote. Right? I hate that that word stinks. You know, when you talk about it like that. But yeah, because they're they're always just bad. Even when you think somebody did good. Yeah, I guess Muhammad Ali had a well. She one. no, her legacy was fucking. It is, it is it is what it is, dude. She was fucking the Hoist Gracie of female MMA. She put it on the fucking map, dude. You know, and people learned her tricks. People evolved quickly once there started being some money with female MMA, and you know, it, it, everyone jumped the gun on Ronda yeah. and was like, "Holy shit, she's you know the Muhammad Ali, you know, Mike Tyson of female MMA." No. I think what we learned with Ronda Rousey was that she was she had a lot of um a lot of amazing tools available to her. Like number one, she was a fucking Olympic athlete. That's huge. First that's just a natural talent and a star. She's no joke. And she had yeah. that star power, but they put a lot of resources into her. I mean, I, I remember Nick Diaz talking about George St. Pierre and about how it's unfair because GSP is able to, you know, get the best sparring partners in the world, bring in these world-class fucking coaches and strength and conditioning coaches and sports psychologists and right. he's fucking doing, you know, Be- crazy gymnastics for fucking... the money that the UFC puts into him. Yeah, so what happens is these guys that once they're great and they have that, you know, they keep on getting more and more great and this is why you see guys that come into the UFC, you just watch it happen. They kind of rise to the occasion, certain guys, because they, you know, now it's fucking time to go. Now it's ready to rock. They're not fucking around. You know, and I think that it's an interesting point. You know, it is what it is. You got to, you know, make your own thing. But Rhonda, I think, was very much that. And then the girls caught up really fucking quick. Yeah. You know, they just fucking zipped right up I to her. I think Holly Holm's going to beat Cyborg. No fucking way. Yeah. I think Cyborg is going to take that fucking I guarantee it. cracker's heart out of her body. Yeah, I guarantee <laughs> and it's going to go. I can't wait to see. While what her the, fucking dad cries in the corner. I can't wait to see what the, uh, what the line is on that. What do you think that's going to be? The betting uh, odds on that? I mean, dude, I know Holly wants to fight, right? She said uh, oh, she's man, waiting for a contract. You. I, you know, it's funny we're talking the about Cyborg it. will try to keep her on her feet. This and I'm is telling you, this is how incredible MMA is, right? Yeah. This is why it just beats boxing. You know, fuck, fuck the whole Mayweather Connor thing. Oh yeah, this is why it's just better, okay? Because you just started talking about Cyborg and Holly, and it's not Ronda. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just it's not just cyborg. You know what I'm saying? Right. We're talking about a fucking real deal prize fight. Holly's a female freak. female fighters. And I literally were talking about it and I got a little tingling in my yeah. spine and I got excited and I got goosebumps thinking about Holly versus Cyborg at 145 pounds. Yeah. What a fucking incredible fight. Yeah. 
that is an amazing thing about MMA that no other sport has been able to do is you get two heterosexual men sitting in a fucking room. We're not doing it for the cameras or the mics. Nobody's paying right. me. I don't. Ha- I don't get paid by the UFC. Right. You know that podcast is complete. Dude, Dana White is not a fucking fan of what we do on that podcast. We say stupid shit on that podcast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's not a safe podcast by any means. But the truth of the matter is. We are excited about these female athletes doing this sport. Yeah. And that is that is how incredible the sport is, right? Because nobody gives a fuck about WNBA. Nobody gave a fuck about female boxing. They had Muhammad Ali's daughter. They had Layla Yolanda Ali. Yolanda Jacek makes me sick to my stomach. She's so good. I have such a weird thing with her. Yeah. That I literally, it switched. Like three or four fights ago, it was like, yeah, you know, like fucking let's go. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just got closer to the beast and we became your close friends. Yeah. yeah. And well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh Oh yeah. We were. Yeah. Uh-oh. I would say that I'd say we're close friends. That's incredible. And, um, and now you look at it with different eyes and it's scary. It's weird. I did. And I wonder, I remember sort of wondering it three or four fights ago. Like I'm like, man, I wonder what it's going to, you know, and I ha- the same thing happened, dude. I, I know because it switches completely. Well, you go from this, right? There's there's multiple levels of excitement of watching a fight, right? And yeah. anybody who's watched a fight can can recognize this, yeah. right? So there's you just watch a prelim. It's on in the background. You're like, yeah. ah, fuck, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's kind of cool, man. Maybe I like that guy. Yeah. Whatever his style seems exciting, right? And then it goes to the next level where you go like, oh shit, like I, I like that guy. I'm a fan of that guy. He's fucking great. I really like what he does, you know? And then you're like, fuck, kind of emotionally invested because you really want him to win, you know what I'm saying? And then the next level is when you throw a little bit of fucking cash on it. Then you're like, oh, shit, well, this is fucking really fun. You know, you're like, oh, not only am I a fan of that guy, but now I got some some fucking chips on the table, literally, right? Then the next level is you know the person, right, where you're friends with them or you have a personal relationship is where you're at with Joanna or I'm at with Michael Bisping. And Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, and DC. Dougie, I'm sitting on the edge of my, I mean, like my friend is in there. I mean, me and Michael Bisping, we hung out la- uh, yesterday. We're going to hang out again tomorrow night. He's coming to the Ice House tomorrow night to, yeah. to Red Band show. Oh, cool. I mean, he's my boy. Yeah. So when I'm watching Anderson Silva throw a fucking knee into his face... I mean, think about that. Think about your one of your best friends at home, if you're listening to this right now, and imagine some fucking Brazilian killer throws a fucking knee at his face and it lands, and he's rolling around on the ground like, help me, I'm bleeding. There's blood leaking out of his face. Yeah, That's crazy. It's crazy. And then I think the next level is, is being a family member and then, you know, or a, a training partner. Yeah. You know, training partner, family member in their corner. I think that's kind of yeah. like the highest level where yeah. you're like, you know, you fucking super serious. You know, the parents are the biggest, biggest, biggest. Oh, that's got to be crazy. It's always very. It's it's Dude, my son's look over your shoulder worthy when you're in the seat that I'm in. That's crazy. And nothing in that seat is look over your shoulder worthy. I mean, yeah. you're looking right at the fuck. Just watching somebody watching at the their octagon. Kid. You, oh. can, you can, you know, everything's right in front of you. But if you look over that way, a hard left like that. You see McGregor's wife, who you see in the promos, and his dad, who you've seen after in pictures after fights, and the you know, and it's it's like you know, oh my god, the emotions that you're watching them. They do. They. I'll tell you this. I'll tell. I don't know much about McGregor's wife and McGregor's dad, but they do not like Nate Diaz at all. Oh yeah, they flip out. (laughs) 
I mean, it's one of those things to where they watched him have Connor's number. So to Mm. see them in that second fight, it's like every punch, you know, and Nate lands those fucking one, two, fucking one, two what and it's like not not only does that well i mean i I, I guess i'm thinking i thought i just thought of something cool to share is this that i don't think i've ever spoken of out loud which is if you think that psychological fuck you motherfucker slap slap that shit fucks with nate's opponents you should see what it does to their wives and dads and moms like it's just there's a certain type of oh Oh fuck! My mm. kid just got fucking slapped, and the crowd loved it. Everybody, fuck, I'm telling you, you could hear McGregor fans fucking laugh when that shit lands. It's like it turns. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I, the I, most. I, I fucking, talk about it in my act. I got you know, I got a son, I got a four year old, and I've watched him get like bullied at the park by like other little kids. Mm-hmm. Robert Kelly's son bullied my son at his wow. birthday party. This fucking kid. It's little, so funny. Little Max Kelly fucking James comes up to him and he's just like, my son's name is James. When are they going to start a podcast together? Dude, I'm going to fuck it. Listen to me. Let me tell you something. This kid, my son is not happy with little Max. He comes up to him and, you know, the kid's playing with toys and James is like, oh, can I play with that? Max is like, no, and just punches him in the stomach. Your, your boy. He hits my kid. Yeah. Oh. And my kid just, you know, looks at me, his eyes kind of well up, and I'm just kind of, and my kid's a big kid, too. He's oh, tall, you know? Yeah. You know, you don't want him to be a fucking dick, so I bring him <laughs> over. So we've been working, and now, if you, I almost, I wish it wasn't so late. If we were doing this in the afternoon, I would call my kid right now, and yeah. I'd be like, James, I was like, what do you do if Max hits you? Yeah. And he'd tell you, he'd be like, one, two, one, two, one, two, clinch, knee, <laughs> take down, mount, ground and pound. No, do, do I'm saying? He knows that series. Uh, so maybe I'm being a psychopath. I love that. But he knows if somebody fucking hits you, yeah. you you know, you don't have to go, you don't hit people, okay? Yeah. You don't put your hands on people before they, but because they're four years old. Look, if he was fucking 15, I'm like, dude, you don't give him a chance to hit you. You fucking hit him there with a bottle, but he's not looking. Yeah. <laughs> All right? You don't you don't give an adult a chance to come and hit you first, but, right. but the fucking baby, okay? Yeah. He fucking hits you, dude. You go and fucking put him down. Yeah. I'm putting him. I'm literally putting my son in jujitsu when I when I get back to New York. I think they should make DC. Uh, I think they should make John Jones hand DC the belt, mm-hmm. and it should be a public thing. You should get shamed. Yeah, you should get shamed in that sport. I feel like there is a a uh, a missing something. We should get something out of that. They should. They should make the. Uh we sh- we deserve something for that, and it's it's one well, thing that the UFC they, sort of gets. I oh, cheated, and it's like, wait, what? That's not what we bet on. That's not what we. I mean, I'm not saying I bet. I, I didn't bet on that, but I'm just saying like that's not what people bet on. It's not what you hope on. It's not what these guys aren't. Writing, and they have right? families going these back to the family thing. Aren't hitting a baseball or riding a, a bicycle. These guys are trying to fucking punch each other in the face. They're trying to hurt each other. So when you, you know, and I, I talked to, you know, a shin to a head. You know, dude. look at look at Bisping. Some of his biggest losses, dude, to guys who were notorious for juicing, yeah. notorious for TRT. That's what I, would, I love Bisping. You know, and he's a, he's a guy who fucking, you know, he's not a guy who makes excuses. People talk shit right. on him because he wants to take a GSP fight, which is worth like five million dollars to right. him and his family. Yeah. Fuck that, dude. You're right. taking that fight. Suck yeah. a dick. Suck yeah. a dick. Everyone's taking yeah. that fight. Everyone on the UFC roster is taking that fight. People hate on my guy Nate Diaz for yeah. holding out. Fuck that. Dude. Dude, make the money you got to make, right? Joanna's different. She's the champ, so she always gets the number one yeah. contender. But people are like, come on, Nate, fight Tony Ferguson. And me as a Nate fan, I'm like, yeah. 
I don't. But people are always going like, oh, well, GSP is not the number one contender. You go like, well, I mean, by what standard? I mean, dude, he was the fucking reigning champion forever. He's the dude who's widely regarded as one of the best of all time, debatably the best of all time. Now that John Jones, and by the way, he might be because of this John Jones thing. We go back to legacy again. I think GSP just jumped him. Yeah. Well, I said after the Cormier fight, I was like, John Jones is the best of all time. Uh, and number one pound for pound. And I was just turning a blind eye to the fact that this, he had already been popped for estrogen blockers. We, the MMA public was mm-hmm. ready to turn a blind eye to that. Mm-hmm. And we forget that. We're very fair weather. We were going to just go, all right, cool. Everyone knows not that it's me. bullshit. Everyone knows that it's not a fucking dick pill. Everyone knows it. Do you know what happened in that hit and run? You know, right? With the pregnant chick? Yeah. Yeah. 25 year old pregnant girl. Yeah. You know, he hit. And he left. Well, he, she was gonna he ran. Ruin, she was going to ruin her life. Huh? <laughs> I said she was going to ruin her life. She's young. Right. I, I, 25 pregnant, gets hit by John Jones. Yeah. He gets out of his car, runs. You know this? Do you know what yeah, he does yeah. next? He goes back and gets his drugs. Went, goes back, gets, uh, yes, can perhaps I, can drugs. I, can I say something for Definitely a big stack of money. Tony. Yeah. I've been in jail for a night before. Mm-hmm. Okay. In your head, you're going, all right, I'm going to jail. I don't want to sit in a cell not high. Mm-hmm. You're, going to back, you're going back to get the drugs. But he didn't even end up going to jail, did he? Didn't he that night? No, I don't think so. Maybe. I think he just left the car and ditched it and fucking, he gets off the hook for everything. Dude, he's tw- at that time he was 25, 24. You're a millionaire. You know, let me tell you something. I'm 35. I think I'm mature enough to handle success now. Isn't he uh, he 30 now? Now he is. 29. But this is years ago. Think about how long ago this was. If we had the internet, we would be able to give a definitive answer to this. The hit and run was like three years ago. No, it was more. Dude, think about this. He was just off for 13 months. Then before the OSP fight, he was off for another 15 months. That's when the hit and run was, right? Before the OSP fight. No, it was before that even. Hmm. He was suspended before the OSP fight. Dude, yeah, I'm saying Peter Rome was like five, six years ago. And I get it, he's a bad motherfucker, but you know, we just don't know. Some of these guys, how come it's never the guys that talk shit about not doing shit that get caught? Mm. It's never Bisping. Yeah. It's never Nate. It's never Nick. It's never DC. Yeah. What would you nobody ever And what do all those guys have in common? Their bodies stink. Yeah. <laughs> but they're fucking that's that's what it should be. I mean it shouldn't be a fucking that should be the difference between WWE I'm and kidding, UFC. by the way. Bisping's gonna hear that. And, and people say, like, Oh, it's what you get away with and this and that and they they should be allowed to do steroids, which I completely fucking disagree with. I well I hear what that. we don't want is people fucking dying. And those shins coming up, dude, exactly the move that John Jones hit D C yeah. with is he's hitting him Look, I don't know with a different weapon. I don't know. They have to measure it, and I don't know. I don't know exactly, and I don't think we neither of us can make this thing. I don't think any any real fighter could even just assume it, right? I don't know exactly how much harder taking a steroid is going to make you actually kick somebody in the head. Yes, right. I, no, yes, by like a good a, de- a, a noticeable I don't think amount. That's, what the difference is, you're able to train harder, and through repetition, you're going to become better at striking and hit harder. And the kind that he took makes you blatantly more explosive. Yeah, I mean, reactive. John Jones hit him with the extra bone that's in his foot. <laughs> right. That ex- yeah. <laughs> the extra bone that lives inside of John Jones' yeah. feet, that was the one that he hit him square in the fucking side of his head with. And that's just like the scariest fucking shit. Who knows what memory that just took from dc you know what i mean maybe he still thinks that he's in strike force he's <laughs> just fucking dude heavyweight tournament this is it big big but that one hurt me yeah that one bothered me a lot 
Uh, what else is going on in the world? What else did I want to talk with you about? There's fucking that, that fighting, skank fest, yeah. battle. Life is good. Life is pretty good. For the first time in my life, I think I'm happy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I love that. Isn't that crazy? That's the best. It's a weird thing. Me it's too. It's a weird thing. I'm with you. Happiness. I'm uh, I fucking, um, we spent a long time just trying to fucking, you know, just being so worried about everything. Yeah. So, you know, we, like my whole, like everything, right up until this year, like just so fucking worried about everything. And I still am worried. I'm still like fucking... But I sw- I turned a corner where I just wanted to start creating, mm-hmm. and just nonstop. And I think that's like giving me like an, uh, some semblance of happy happiness. You're absolutely right. I'm just creating whatever yeah. it's podcast, stand up, fucking writing scripts, mm-hmm. you know, you know, even 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 just creating the podcast network and opening the studio. It is a, it's this machine that we're create that we're that, you know, it's like. It's like, all right, fucking we're all potheads. We're in L.A., right? Like a bong is this fucking thing that you that you devise so you could fucking smoke weed super efficiently and get really fucking baked, right? Mm-hmm. So even us, this, I'm looking at this studio as being this big fucking machine that we're building. So all of my friends, we have 14 shows on our podcast network. We can go and create the way that we want to create with absolutely no restrictions. Yeah. They will never hear the word no. You're never gonna. You literally will never hear the word no at Gas Digital. That's yeah. a. That's what we tell every producer that we work with. Everybody that comes in, all the podcasts we work with, are. It's our job to come up with five solutions and five ways to say yes for our podcasters, and that's what I want, right? And I have three shows on the network, and I and I work very closely with everybody. That's what we want as comedians is we want as much freedom to play as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Your home club, it's probably the comedy store, I'm assuming. Yeah. You get to fucking play. You were just talking about how you have a new 13-minute bit and you've been doing it on the road um, and you're you're excited because you're going to go and do it yeah. uh, later on tonight. And you don't For the ha- first time here. Yeah, the first time here. Stepping on the road. But you don't have that type... On the road, you have that type of freedom because it's your audience. Yeah. Comedy clubs in New York and LA, you don't really have that type of freedom unless right. it's like you, real comfort and you have a real relationship with the club yeah. because you might bomb and you're seven minutes into a bit that you have another eight minutes on. You have to commit. And you're like, fuck, dude. Well, now I'm here. Right. You know, and that's that type of... That's where you come up with incredible fucking material. Yep. It's where he come up with incredible fucking podcasts, incredible stand up, and that's kind of where I think the industry. I, I go into these meetings and I and I go and try to pitch shows and I, I speak with networks and there's this fear of bombing and there's this fear like please like me, and when you strip that away and we're in charge of it, we create the best stuff and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just creating the way that I want to create now. And that's fucking, that's true happiness. And I think guys, like you see the guys on the bigger level, the you know, they get really successful and get their own shows and get whatever it is. They get that same type of freedom, yeah. you know, in those areas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we live in a really special time to where we, we can do what we want and figure out a way to do it. That's interesting. 14 shows over at Gas? Yeah, 14 shows at Gas Digital. Wow. Yeah. And you like they like ask you if they can join or you scout them or like how does that work? It's kind of a combination of both. I mean, we you know we look for shows that kind of fit under the umbrella, you know, that kind of make sense, you know, that have a I don't want to say freedom of speech because that's not like the idea of like you know it's more like you know freedom of expression. We 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 want to work with shows that kind of have an edge to them because you know those are the ones that are gonna you know they're all just kind of like like minded, you know. So we got Bisping, we got Legion of Skanks, obviously. What is, what's Bisping's main takeaway from the John Jones thing? 
Um, Have you, we, we talked. Yeah, we talked about it on the show yesterday. That came yeah. out. Um, you know, I, like I said, he kind of really broke it down about. You know, just just. You know, it's it's just a shame. You got a guy who probably didn't really need the drugs, right? But almost became addicted to it, and you kind of watch it in cycles with whatever it is. John Jones, we all are. Everybody works in cycles, right? Mm-hmm. We all do the same shit. Mm-hmm. Every fucking relationship, every we, it's all the same shit. You watch it happen. I watch every relationship I'm ever in fall yeah. apart. Yeah. I watch the same patterns. My last relationship, I remember going like, "Oh shit, I'm watching the beats." Yep. It was the first time I ever was like, oh, wow, the first fight happened, and then it was like, the next fight was like a month later, yep. then it was like three weeks later, then it was like two weeks, and it yep. was every week a fight, yep. then every, and I remember at that point, I was like, we're about to start fighting every other day, yep. Yep. it's about to come every day, every time yep. we see each other, yep. I watch yep. it, and now you gotta nip, those, those patterns that you don't like, you gotta nip them in the bud, and you gotta fucking change and pivot, right? Yeah. That's getting, that's growing up. So yep. John Jones, he's got these fucking patterns where he's... He needs to get in trouble. He needs to be a bad boy. He needs to, you know, there's something there. It's not, I don't think it's about the steroids or the coke or hitting the girl or getting into trouble. I think it's just like he needs to fuck up and rebuild himself to feel as if he's truly succeeding, Mm -hmm. you know? I think there's something about that, like, you know, and if he's not, if he doesn't fuck up, he kind of gets bored. When I lose weight, Who's that? Fucking Tripoli? We're going to close out. We're getting out of here. All right. Uh, sorry. So that's another episode of The Pony yeah. Hour. We fucking did Wait, can it. I, can I make yeah. that point? I'm yeah, sorry, dude, because I don't want to look. I think it's actually yeah, go a good ahead. point. Yeah. I, I've like lost weight and gained weight a handful of times, yeah. right? And when I lose weight, what will happen is people start immediately. <laughs> people start to immediately um, like, dude, like, oh, you look great. You look uh, fucking great, dude. Yeah. And after a while, that starts to go away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And when it goes away, I get fat again. And I think it's because I want, I'm want. i looking for that. Like, And then I get to get in shape again. And everybody gets to compliment me again. And I think John Jones goes through that same type of cycle really of rebuilding point. himself. There are definitely cycles. That is an interesting thing. I used to be the same way back in grade school. I just had to get in trouble. I don't know why. It was weird. Yeah. Um. So I'll tell you this. I had so much fun talking with you. This was another episode of The Pony Hour. I'm going to a lot of fun places, guys. If you live in Denver, Austin, Tacoma, uh, Portland, tonight, this comes out, Portland, you'll see me there at the Aladdin Theater, uh, the Monster Energy Outbreak Tour, and I go just start my continuous every weekend tour, which I always do, which, you know, is weird because you think that I'm on a tour and then off a tour, but I just do every weekend on the road pretty much. Uh, yeah. What do you have coming up, Louis J. Gomez? Uh, not that much, man. I'm, I'm in New York City. I'm based out of New York. Going to be doing a couple gigs later on in November. Look out for me in Philly. Look out for me in um, Connecticut. I'm going to be... Uh at that casino gig. But yeah, GomezComedy.com for the dates. I'm in New York City every single night. I host the Roast Masters in New York City every every Tuesday night at the stand as well. So if you guys like roast battles and you're on the East Coast, come check that out. Legion of Skanks. And Legion of Skanks, Real Ass Podcast, and Believe You Me on the Gas Digital Network. Tickets for all my shows at TonyHinchcliffe.com. Make sure to check out Kill Tony and VR360 streaming live every Monday now, uh, which is fucking awesome. And uh, the Store Horseman, the pro wrestling podcast where I do silly characters and make my friends laugh. Um, All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. Bye-bye.